Well, it was another week, another match day of unpredictable results in La Liga Santander. We are likely no closer to knowing who will hoist the trophy at the end of the campaign as a number of top teams drop points. One of those sides who dropped all three this weekend was Real Madrid, who were stunned on the road by Ibar to add another chapter to what has been a very interesting tale coming out of the Bernabeu of late. My name is Mitchell Tierney, on this, and on this week's La Liga show, we will dive into that narrative and look back at an up-and-down week for Los Blancos, a week which is something of a microcosm for their season. Uh, to do all that, we have Nando Villa uh, of The Athletic back on the show. Nando, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. Well, let's start with the the positive for Real Madrid, uh, a big win at the Stadio Olimpico over Roma. Uh, they've now all but locked up that top spot in, in Group G, um, even after that earlier loss to CSK in Moscow. Um, you know, this was a match where both sides obviously had some chances. Um, you know, Real a bit lucky on a few occasions. There was uh, at least one stunning miss from Roma, but uh, at the end of the day, kind of a uh, Real Madrid. They they remain dangerous in Europe, even with uh, with stuff going uh, not so great for them domestically. Yeah, I mean, as long as I can remember, as long as I've been a Real Madrid fan, you know, since basically the early '90s, Europe has always been kind of a cure-all for the club's ills. Like, I, you know, I, I distinctly remember, you know, Real Madrid winning the Champions League in 1998 despite being, you know, an absolute disaster in the league. They also won the Champions League in the year 2000 um, while they were fifth in the league, which is almost impossible to imagine now. Um, so, yeah, Europe does seem to, uh, you know, come at opportune moments uh, and, and pull the club out of, like, the deepest depths of their crisis. Um, because, you know, just Ravager just feels so comfortable in, in Europe. But like you said, you know, uh, soccer is an interesting sport. Um, you know, we, we build these big narratives, but uh, in individual moments, things could have changed dramatically had under not missed that unbelievable chance <laughs> from three yards out with, with an empty net, um, you know, you can imagine uh, Real Madrid just kind of totally falling apart. Um, you know, luckily for them, you know, they had already qualified, but, you know, it was nice to, to qualify first. I mean, um, but like you said, they, they did get a little lucky with that miss. And then, you know, Bale's first goal came after a you know pretty shocking error from, from the Roma defense. Yeah, I, you know, I, I could say I don't know how under missed, but I missed about four of those sitters in, in my men's league game last night. So I can fully understand uh, how it is possible. We've all been there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, we've all been there. I'm so, I certainly don't get paid the same amount he does. But um, right. nonetheless, uh, you know, at the weekend, though, for, for Real Madrid, uh, another poor result. Uh, you know, it's particularly tough kind of when I think going into this weekend, um, only one of the top eight, uh, the top eight obviously going into this weekend, they're not quite the top eight anymore, but only one of those clubs actually picked up a win. So th- this was a legitimate opportunity for Real to, to kind of get back, um, you know, to gain back some ground on Atleti and Barcelona, who both drew, of course, or they, they drew each other. Um, so that 3-0 loss to Ibar is kind of big. And a crazy stat from that match is the fact that Ibar uh, obviously had three goals, 3-0. They'd only had three shots before in their entire history against Real Madrid. So <laughs> a pretty incredible yeah. performance for them, but uh, another really tough one for Real Madrid. Uh, how did this performance kind of show the, the continued flaws of this uh, Los Blancos club? So I, I, I think this was maybe... Real Madrid's worst performance in at least you know four or five years. I mean, I I, I just can't remember 
uh, a performance where Madrid were just so thoroughly outplayed from start to finish uh, by you know by a tiny tiny team. I mean, Eibar is it's 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 hard for people who don't follow La Liga closely or very closely to understand just how small of a club Eibar is. I mean, their town is tiny and their stadium looks like a it looks like my high school stadium. Um, you know, and, you know, and they just got thoroughly outplayed from the opening minute to the final whistle. I mean, it was 3-0, but it looked, you know, in the second half, it looked much more likely for Avon to get a fourth or a fifth than for Madrid to pull one back, which is, you know, very uncharacteristic of Madrid. I mean, say what you will about Madrid. They do tend to show, you know, pride and fight when they go down and they, you know, they'll kind of, you know, fight to the bitter end and, you know, try to pull one back. But in this one, they were just, they just looked utterly defeated um, throughout. I mean, it's just, it's just been that kind of season where, you know, the, the squad just has such fundamental problems in, in their design, um, you know, and it's been kind of weakening uh, steadily for the past two, two years. Um, and it's been kind of papered over by this, this Champions League success that they've had, um, you know, which doesn't require the sort of sustained excellence that a league campaign does. And that's where you really see the strength of the squad, you know, in the Champions League, mm-hmm. you know, if you pull off four or five good performances in a year, you could win the whole thing. Uh, and that's kind of what Madrid's been doing. Um, but they've just been steadily declining. And, you know, no one at the club seemed to notice because, you know, they won three Champions Leagues in a row, which I guess is kind of understandable. But you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's... Um, but I think credit to to Ibar as well in this match. They, you know, it just seems kind of what's what's gone on in La Liga this season is there's so many of these teams that um, on a given day, and and I think this is partially the fact that the top clubs maybe um, all aren't having their best season or all aren't as sharp as they usually are. But it seems like a lot of these clubs, you know, Ibar, uh, Espanol, a lot of the clubs like that. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of have an identity and on any given day they're able to play uh, a really solid brand of football and really test these top teams in a way that maybe they they couldn't in other years I know uh, Mark Cucurella was giving Real Madrid fits the entire game the the Barcelona Loney um, and, and yeah, you just uh, this is the first time I don't know that that I've really seen it in this in this way in La Liga where all these small sides seem to be able to to really cause problems um, on any given day, which is yeah, it's pretty wild. Yeah, I mean what the 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 sort of most underrated factor uh, of La Liga is, in my opinion, the general quality of the coaching, um, mm-hmm. the sort of like average you know, Spanish coach that's coaching like a mid-le- mid-level team um, has a sort of tactical uh, awareness and nuance that I think is unparalleled in, in, in the world. I mean, I think that it's, it's by far the most well-coached league in the world. I mean, and it's, there's, there's reasons for that. The, the Spanish Federation, you know, has one of the best coaching schools in the world that they've invested in for a long, long time. And it's, you know, the results have, have, have really began to start showing in the past 10 or 10 years or so when there's been just a, a dramatic improvement in, in the level of coaching. You see all kinds of teams that play these, these kind of like, you know, unorthodox styles and they, they have all these tactical variants, you know, like it's not, it used to be that like if you were a small team, you'd get a tough coach, you know, who knew how to defend well and you would just hope for the best. But now you're seeing these small teams and it started off with like, you know, guys like Paco Jemez and Rayo Vallecano, who was, you know, the only 
team to ever beat Guardiola in, in possession in a game uh, at Barca. Like, the, the only time that Guardiola's Barca was ever, um, you know, beaten in possession in a game was against tiny Rayo Vallecano, which is impossible to, um, you know, it's just, like, impossible to imagine. Um, you know, and guys like Kike Setien and Betis and, you know, Pablo Machin at Girona and now at, at Sevilla, who, you know, they have, they're, at, they're at the top. I mean, these guys are all excellent, excellent coaches. And Abad in their game against Madrid just showed showed another example of that. They they did this, like, insane thing where they pushed their team way up the field against Real Madrid. You know, they, they you know their, their center backs were mm. practically at the halfway line most <laughs> of the game, and Madrid couldn't break the pressure. They just couldn't link together two or three passes. I think Madrid in the second half had like 10 or 12 offside um, because they were just like desperately hoofing the ball forward, trying to uh, overcome the pressure. And Avon just timed the trap perfectly every single time. Um, it was really an impressive tactical display from, from the team. Well, speaking of managers, you kind of segue perfectly into uh, at least the fact that this was Santiago Solari's first game as, as a full-time head coach, obviously getting that interim tag removed. Um, so maybe not the greatest uh, start in terms of that yeah. stage of his process, but um, otherwise, it's results-wise at least, it's been pretty solid. Um, what have you made of, of him and any, any changes you've seen from the Real Madrid side since he's taken over? Well, the biggest change he's implemented is that he's clearly um, sort of pushed Isco and Asensio down the pecking order in favor of Lucas Vasquez and um, and Dani Ceballos. Um, the Isco case has become, you know, quite a bit of a, a controversial one. I mean, it seems like you know he he, he from the beginning he, he kind of very clearly like demoted him his place in the squad, and I guess Isco didn't take it well, and there was a, a maybe an incident in the locker room where Isco refused to shake his hand, and and then he was left out of the out of the final squad against Roma and it's, you know, all the papers are already discussing that East goes on his way out and all that stuff. So that's been the biggest one where he's just, he's very clearly um, demoted those two guys and, you know, things could change in the season and, you know, this kind of thing happens all the time. Um, the other thing that I've noticed is that he's, he's really pulled the team back. Um, you know, Lopetegui tried, I think quite admirably to um, instill, install this system that was, you know, kind of high action, high press, um, and and it worked well for a while, but it doesn't seem like maybe the squad is kind of built for that. Mm-hmm. Um, so Solari has gone back to a more a system more uh, similar to the one that Zidane played, which is kind of like a pretty simple, you know, just kind of sit back, kind of relatively deep, and just allow the players' talent to just kind of dictate, you know, the fate of your team, and that's. That's kind of what Zidane did and, uh, for most of his time there. And it looks like that's what Solari is doing. Well, the issues for Real Madrid have, have kind of shifted a little recently. Obviously, earlier in the year, it was the offense that everyone was talking about and the fact that um, they were going so long without scoring goals. Now, defensively, I mean, certainly against Ibar, there was all kinds of defensive issues. And even against Roma, they looked uh, pretty vulnerable back there. I, I know there's been a ton of injuries and um, and it's it's obviously not easy to play with a back line that, that hasn't been together for, for a consistent amount of time, but we've seen some very good center backs and, and full backs in Real Madrid not look up to standard, and it's a team game. You want the midfield to come back, and, and they play kind of a role in that as well, but what have you made of these recent defensive issues, and do you think they'll 
they'll bring in new players or, or address it that way or you know certainly something has to be changed because uh, apparently this is the most goals Real's ever conceded 13 matches into a season yeah it's I mean it's it, 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 you know the, the form the individual form of a lot of guys has just been way below par I mean you know Rafa Varane has had you know just a a long, long World Cup hangover. Um, I think he needs like one of those IVs, you know, like those hangover IVs to, to get him to get him back into shape. I mean, Ramos has been pretty poor as well. Um, you know, Marcelo has had some pretty shocking displays, and Carvajal has been injured with fitness problems, and you know, the, the subs haven't really looked up to the task. Although Reguilón has done a decent job spelling uh, Marcelo, and and Odriozola has been has had some good performances and some pretty bad ones. I mean, he, he had a very bad mistake against Eibar uh, to, to allow them to score his first goal. Um, but the big, the big problem, I mean, the biggest key to everything, I think, is, is Casemiro. And if you look at Madrid's numbers over the last, you know, three or four seasons where he's been a sort of starting member of the squad, um, when Casemiro is out, their winning percentage just drops precipitously. I think it, you know, I think it goes from, you know, like kind of above 70% to below 60% when he's not when he's not in the in the starting lineup. They just haven't been able to find a, a, an adequate sub for Casemiro. And um against Eibar, he tried Dani Ceballos in that position, which is just like you know, it's just not what he can do. I mean, he's like a silky number 10 type, you know, like to ask him to be the to to ask him to be the sort of defensive stopper in midfield is just asking a lot of him and you know, in the past, Tony Kroos has played there, but he came out publicly and said that he doesn't like playing there, and, you know, that, that caused the whole controversy. You know, against Roma, he put Marcos Llorente, who was the only kind of natural sub, and I don't, you know, I don't quite understand why coaches haven't ever trusted him, like why Madrid coaches haven't, haven't ever really trusted him to spell Casemiro when he's been out. You know, Llorente, when he was at Alaves, um, led the league in... Um, in, in tackles, in successful tackles. Um, and, you know, I, he's clearly like a very disciplined, he's not the most talented guy in the world, but he's, he's, he's physically incredibly fit. I mean, if you, if you follow him on Instagram, he's like a fitness freak. His, his dad actually played for Madrid and is also a fitness freak. They're like into like, you know, insane diets and uh, all kinds of crazy fitness programs. It's just, it's crazy. Uh, and, and he's like a disciplined, decent guy who is like, you know, uh, willing to get stuck in. I mean, he just seems like a much better option than a guy like Dani Ceballos, who is incredibly talented, but not. It's not. He, it doesn't. It's not in his nature to uh, to defend and and sort of plug the holes uh, the way Casemiro does. And you know, I think you saw it against Eibar, and then you saw like a little bit of improvement against Roma when when Llorente played there. So I mean, I I just uh, you know, for whatever reason, um, Zidane and Lopetegui. And and you and Sonati haven't really trusted him fully, although maybe after his you know pretty decent performance against Roma, that that will change. Well, let's look at the results quickly for match day thirteen in La Liga Santander. Leganes stun Alaves one nil. Abar beat Real Madrid three nil. Valencia finally getting rolling with a three nil win over ten man Rayo Vallecano. Huesca and Levante drew two two. Huesca was down to ten men. Uh, Atletico Madrid and Barcelona draw 1-1. So do Atletico Bilbao and Hetafe. Valladolid fell 1-0 to Sevilla. Espanyol, they also lose 3-1 to Girona. Betis fall 2-1 to Villarreal. And Real Sociedad beat Celta Vigo 2-1. 
which gives us a table that sees Sevilla at the top after 13 match days, Barcelona in second, Atletico Madrid in third after they play each other, and Alaves in fourth at the moment. And Athletic Bilbao, they drop into that relegation zone alongside Rayo Vallecano and Huesca. Well, uh, after this, uh, a bit of an easier stretch coming up for Real as they won't play a side uh, who, who are currently in the top 10 until the new year. Although um, th- this weekend's fixture against uh, rejuvenated Valencia is, is going to be a tricky fixture. Yeah, uh, I was going to sure. say, yeah, that's not, <laughs> you know, you, you know that, that's, a, that's a classic trap game. I mean, Valencia, you know, their, their squat, I mean, their position on the table is misleading. It's just got off to like a horrible start. But I mean, if you watch them play against Juventus, you know, they look mm-hmm. pretty good, you know, like they're, they're a dangerous team. They have some excellent players. Well, maybe after that, then we'll, we'll leave the Valencia game aside, but kind of after that, they have a, yeah, there's kind of a stretch where they don't play. They play a lot of, uh, kind of lower tier teams and Huesca and clubs like that. Uh, yeah. even in the champions league, they don't have the most difficult, uh, of fixtures obviously as they, they round out that one. Um, so how important is this stretch kind of to, you know, for Solari to, to have an opportunity to, to get his uh, identity for the club and uh, in general for the club to maybe pick up some confidence and, and pick up some major points ahead of, you know, the, obviously with the fact that they have this current uh, stretch of games where they aren't playing very easy teams means the last half of the season I was looking at today is, is pretty crazy. They've got uh, quite a hectic schedule, especially over the last couple of months uh, against some of the top teams. So how important is it to, that they pick up points now? Because it really seems like La Liga is going to be won by kind of uh, the club that does the best against the, the, the teams that are expected to win against this year. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one of Luis Aragonés' most famous quotes ever, you know, Luis Aragonés, who was known as like a tactical genius, you know, they asked him like what the key to his you know, the, the key was going to be for, you know, his season, whatever, one season. He goes, you know, the key is to win, to win, to win, and to win, you know, like, <laughs> which is like, it sounds like stupid, but like, you know, teams get used to winning when they win, you know, and it's, you know, that winning sort of has a habit of beginning more winning. So like if Madrid can, Madrid can beat Valencia, you know, which is going to be an unbelievably tough game given, you know, how poor Madrid have been all season. Um, you know, and then, like you said, they have this kind of easier run of games, although, you know, as it was shown against Avad, like there, there, there are no quote unquote, like gimmies in La Liga. Um, if they could, if they could pull a, you know, pull a, pull a string of victories together, um, if they could, you know, recover some guys, you know, like, you know, like Luka Modric, you know, who's going to win, who might win the Ballon d'Or trophy, like has just been a shadow of his former self this season, you know, even Tony Kroos, who is like, a, a metronome of consistency has been pretty inconsistent. You know, like these kind of things, like these kind of guys are the ones that really kind of have to carry, you know, the load um, for for a team like Madrid, you know, in the, in the sort of post-Cristiano era. I mean, they if they're not playing well, I mean, it's easy to like point out like Odrio Zola and guys like that, but, you know, some of the stalwarts on this squad, like some of the best players in the world have just been so poor, um, you know, that if they can kind of go on a little bit of a run, regain some fitness and and get some of the confidence guys you know especially like you know the sort of big players on the squad the sort of world-class superstars that you expect to carry the team um then perhaps perhaps madrid can turn the season around although i just i i still think that the squad's problems are so are so fundamental that you know over the course of a season you know madrid's going to struggle mightily to keep up with 
even a pretty poor Barca. You know, Barca at the end of the day still has Messi. I mean, you saw, you know, you saw um, against Atletico Madrid, you know, like when he really wants to, he makes something happen, you know, and bails them out of a lot of jams. Um, and, you know, that's, that's just the big difference between the two teams right now. Well, let's talk about the, that game quickly then. The kind of an opportunity to see the Real's two biggest rivals, uh, I guess, in this in this title fight right now in Atletico and uh, and Barcelona go head-to-head in a 1-1 stalemate, kind of emphasis on the stale. Uh, most yeah. or least shots in, in a La Liga game this season. I think there was maybe three on target. It was that messy free kick and, and both goals. So uh, the, just a game that... You know, never really got going, and uh, but at the same time, I mean, kind of for Madrid, it's a Real Madrid, it's a it's a good result because uh, at least nobody is able to pull ahead at this point. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, you, I got the sense that because both teams saw that Madrid had lost earlier in the day against Bayad, that they kind of went into the game in a sort of non-aggression pact, that they were both kind of fine with the tie and then taking their chances with the rest of the, with the rest of the teams in La Liga, you know, that they didn't want really to want to drop, you know, uh, point like all the points in this game. And they were fine kind of, you know, extending their lead against vis-a-vis Real Madrid uh, by one point um, and, and just kind of, you know, yeah, like taking their chances with the other teams, you know, like if you look at Barca's lineup, it was unbelievably conservative. Um, for that game and then the way that both teams played it looks like they were it looks like they were scared of attacking i mean for i think oh, that's kind of expected in a way like against big teams they they you know they tend to play you know more conservatively especially against barca which you know an interesting stat simone has never beaten barca in the league um you know he, he, wow. <laughs> as, a, as an think manager he's never been able to beat them um he's beaten them twice in in the champions league which which is a different animal right you have to kind of go for it and so maybe, you know, maybe uh, um, that, that, that's the way forward. But against Barca, he plays, he clearly respects their, you know, their ability to, to, to do damage. And, and it was just like, you know, it, it was just, it was like an unbelievably boring and, and shocking display of kind of, you know, both teams just playing really, really conservatively, which is, you know, kind of expected with that but you just, you're not used to Barca in, in like the last, you know, 10, 15 years playing that way. Um, but, but, you know, that's what it is when, when Madrid doesn't mount a serious challenge, um, you know, it allows kind of Barca especially to kind of coast through the league and just win almost by the, by default. Before we wrap up here, I wanted to quickly talk about one Barca player who's been all over the headlines in, in the past couple of weeks. Uh, that's Usman Dembele. Um, widely been criticized for, you know, his lack of punctuality for, you know, sleeping through training for uh, staying up late and playing video games, uh, all all the kind of stuff you would expect of a twenty year one year old who's not, um, you know, playing at the highest level uh, of soccer. Um, but another game where he seems to uh, deliver in the big moments for Barcelona and, and gets a very crucial goal for them late. Um, what do you make of him? Because again, he's, he's a twenty one year old, even if he is a very expensive one. Um, but at the same time, you know, there continues to be issues off field, but he continues to to get some some pretty big goals for Barcelona on field. I think it's something like five now, five goals that have at least in some way influenced the result for Barcelona. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, like 
what is what clearly what's what's evident when you look at Dembele and like you said, like um, you know he he scored some massive goals, and that's what that's what you know truly great talents are able to do. I mean, he he does look like he has unbelievable talent. Like he could be like amazing. Like he could be like Mbappe. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. You know, like he could be amazing. Um, at a club like Barca or Madrid, especially for young players, I mean, it's just so demanding. It's just so demanding day in and day out. You know, if it, you know, like, if you don't kind of buy into that, you'll eventually fizzle out. Like, unless Dembele, like, it's like you won't be able to like talent your way out of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, like, eventually Dembele will have to change. You know, he'll. I mean. You, you kind of saw that with Neymar, right? Like, Neymar came into Barca with all kinds of question marks about his discipline. You know, he had all kinds of issues at Santos, you know. Um, and, and he's had issues since at PSG. But when he kind of got to Barca, he clearly, like, fell in line, so to speak. And and was and, and that's why that's one of the reasons why he was successful. I mean, he, you know, he kind of very clearly, like, attached himself to, to Messi and just kind of... Um, followed his lead and you know and and he didn't have as many issues especially in the early going he ended up toward the end he had you know some issues with like you know going back to the sisters parties and in Rio de Janeiro and all that stuff but but on the whole you know he he displayed the kind of professionalism that that you need at at a massive massive club like like Barca where like literally every single game is a must win and not not just a must win like you are expected to play well and score a bunch of goals and, you know, utterly crush your opponent. It's just, it's just the, the demands are so insane. Um, I, you know, there, there's a lot of talk that Barca might sell Dembele in the winter transfer market. I mean, I think that that would be insane. I mean, there's, yeah. I don't understand why you would do that. Um, Barca, at the end of the day, need a guy like Dembele. I mean, if you look at, you know, Suarez is, you know, he just doesn't look as dangerous as he as he used to be where he was just like this voracious kind of you know all-out attacker like now he just looks like he's morphing into a different kind of player they need that kind of incisive you know speedy presence in attack mm-hmm. um to, to kind of combine with Messi and so, you know so there's there's no reason why you're gonna why you should sell him in the winter and we can look like who are you gonna get you know to replace him you know I, if I were them I would you know take my chances uh with him at least through this season and try to and try to like try to make the best of it and, and then see if he can mature, you know, with some, with some added responsibilities. But, you know, yeah, I mean, I, he, he clearly, if he does put it together, he does have some amazing tools. Yeah, for sure. Um, well, that brings us to the end of our, our show. Uh, thanks Nando for joining. All right, brother. Thanks a lot. Yeah, and thank you everyone for listening. Uh, we're working on a couple more viewing parties in, in partnership with La Liga Santander in the new year, so stay tuned for more, de- more details on those, and have a good weekend, everyone.